1: 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. The Volume. The 3 and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Collin so they know we sent you. <laughs> What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? Uh, We haven't had a show for a couple days. We'll dive into that here in a second. I think you guys probably figured out why. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube page. Middlecoff Mailbag, which I actually recorded on Monday and I've been holding for a couple days. Didn't feel right putting it out, obviously, after the game. I'll, I'll get into that here in a second. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those DMs. Get your questions answered here on the show. The plan, the rest of the week, uh, tentatively, obviously, a normal show Friday. Might do something. We, so we put out mailbags sometimes on Sunday morning. I might react to the games on Saturday. Still trying to figure that out. Obviously, Sunday, and you know, we'll have a normal podcast moving forward leading into the playoffs. Uh, but obviously, this week, Coward was supposed to come on the show after the big Monday Night football game, and we were going to do probably 30 minutes. Uh, we hadn't done that in a while. But then the uh, the Hamlin situation, you know, took place, and it's. I think I speak for everyone. It's one of the most jarring things we've ever seen. As someone who doesn't just you know love sports, I've made a living out of this. You know, you kind of get numb to certain stuff. I, I think universally, we all had the same reaction when we were watching it on the TV. Uh, it, it was a uh, a jarring night, right? And obviously, you know, it's not necessarily about the way that we feel on the outside. You just. You're thinking about this guy. You start getting to know the guy. Start asking around, and obviously, over the last couple of days, the foundation, the six million dollars—I think it started at like two hundred grand, or maybe it was less than that—has uh, been remarkable. You, you see all these. Co- I mean, Mike Tomlin eloquently spoke about knowing him forever, because obviously he shares the uh, the stadium, you know, or Pitt uses the Steeler Stadium, and it's just—I I say it all the time—the NFL. I, I think sometimes gets a negative light, you know, when guys get in trouble or whatever. But the core of the league and the overwhelming majority of the league is high-level guys. And honestly, it's high-level guys like Demar Hamlin who aren't first-round picks, who end up carving a career for a long time. And to see a guy, you know, fighting for his life, as of recording this right now, it feels like, you know, I think Schefter reported and he's got aunts and uncles and a marketing agent that I've seen some updates that he's making positive signs. Obviously, still not out of the woods yet. But one thing I have never ever—I wasn't cut out for just the injuries in football as like someone that had no control over it. I hated that the the way it made me feel. And I'm just talking about normal injuries. I think my second year in Philly, I think it was 2011. Mike Patterson uh, had like a brain—I don't know if it was an aneurysm, but something where he just. Offensive, defensive line drills. We were up at training camp at Lehigh back when the Eagles used to go to there uh, where C.J. McCollum, the basketball player, went to school. A little, little college up in PA. Just dropped like a rock. And it, different. I, I don't think this was during the drill. He might have just been standing there waiting. Might have been during the drill. I forget the exact details. I just know he was down. And in a similar situation, it felt life or death. And, and I think it was. And players were freaking out. It was jarring. It was the most one of the most chilling things I've ever experienced live, definitely on a football field. And that th- that feeling, you know, the difference at training camp. It was only the people there, right? It was only us, the scouts and the coaches, and the, even the other t- the other part of the team was on the other end of the field. Obviously, practice gets canceled after that. Ambulance come gets them. The thing about Monday Night Football, millions of people watching. And I think you know universally we all just share the same. I, your heart just drops like a rock. You just you're you're moved emotionally, and it was you're, hell. I I woke up a couple times during the night just kind of checking my phone, seeing if there was any updates on the guy. And I I think that the, the the visuals of those guys' faces, you know, of Josh Allen, of Diggs, of just the Bills in general, uh, was yes yeah, something you never forget. You know, I've been watching sports my whole life. I've made a living out of it. There, there are certain things in life, you know, not, not the like wins or championships or whatever, but like individual moments that you'll never forget. And that's definitely one of them. So I think, you know, you just you just got to, you know, if you're a religious guy, pray, hope, think, you know, positive vibes. You know, that this guy not only pulls out, but just comes back, you know, better than ever uh i'm no medical scientist here but it's all that's all we really can do and that's that's a crazy part about these situations is you just you're just kind of watching you're just kind of glued you're like what is going on the cpr it's just tough man and it just wasn't there was no reason to do a podcast on tuesday uh honestly i didn't really feel like doing one yesterday either Just kind of letting every – you just got to – one, I mean, we just got to see what happens to this individual in the football stuff because there are questions to be asked as time goes on. uh, But those will be answered, you know, and we'll talk about them, I'm sure, coming up on, you know, podcasts to come. Uh, So I I guess we just got to keep praying that, you know, this young guy figures it out because every single account, high-level guy, late-round pick, starting on the best team, uh, I know because of injuries or whatever, but yeah, man, he's he, he's the majority of the league. He, he represents, and I think why you see so many NFL players. The majority of the NFL is not Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes; it's Demar Hamlin. That, that's the majority of the league. Uh, so yeah, uh, we'll try. I, I put a mail bag on at the end of the show at John Middlecoff. I wanted to hit on a couple quick things. It's hard to transition. That's what I'm saying. Like how? What am I supposed to talk about? Jim Harbaugh? You know, I want to, and I'm going to, but it does. It still feels a little weird for me. I'm not going to lie. My my, my one take on Jim Harbaugh is I I do think all these people, is he going to come to the NFL? Is he going to stay in Michigan? I think he kind of has this Bill Parcells type thing. He's just the ultimate wild card. At any moment, he can do anything. Now, it's actually been weird that he's been at Michigan so long because so much of his history was like four years out, four years out, four years out, and now he's had... You know, just this long run at Michigan. And these last two years have been really successful. I think now if he wants to leave, you could argue last year it had been, I wouldn't say up and down, but it doesn't quite feel like he lived up to his potential. Those first, you know, I would say four or five years at Michigan, obviously never beaten Ohio State, but he's beaten Ohio State twice. He's gotten into the playoffs twice. I heard someone say, it might have been Rossillo. They've only won one national championship in the history of the program. If you would ask asked me how many how many uh, national championships does Michigan have, I would have been like five. So it's not like, this ain't Alabama. You know, this isn't, this isn't USC. This is, hell, this isn't Oklahoma. He has done a remarkable job. If he wants to leave, I can't blame him. But if he stays, like, I'm not going to be shocked. I, I, I don't think anyone truly knows what the hell Jim Harbaugh is going to be. And the other thing is that if he leaves... Everyone's on the table. If you told me he became the Cardinal head coach, if he became the Panthers head coach, if he became the Broncos head coach, like he'll never coach Russell Wilson. He won't. He coached Alex Smith, who was not Alex Smith at the time. So like the ultimate wild card. Uh resting players. I, I had to take the last podcast about how I thought the Giants, you know, should keep playing hard. You know, they they've already, they're not gonna make it far. They can get to 10 wins, beat the Eagles, kind of derail their season a little bit, go into the playoffs with a bunch of momentum. And I had a buddy in the league bring up a good point. He's like, I, I don't know if you can look at it like that. Because all it takes is you get to the dance and the team you're playing, let's say they play the Vikings in the first round, Justin Jefferson rolls his ankle the first series of the game. All of a sudden, the Vikings are missing Justin Jefferson. You win that game, which honestly they could even with Justin Jefferson. And the next week you're playing, let's just pick a team, the 49ers. And the 49ers, Brock Purdy, is gets injured. So now they're on to Josh Johnson. Like weird shit happens in the playoffs in all of sports. So you can't look at it. Well, we're playing with house money. That's just not how teams operate. That's not how they think. Now I did see before I recorded this that Saquon Barkley said that he hasn't been told he's resting. So I, I wouldn't put it past Brian Dayball, but um, but yeah, I mean I I would be prepared. And I, I never ever fault shitty teams for benching players. Like I saw the Bears, Justin Fields is out, right? The the football team, they're done playing their rookie. Like I, there is no competitive integrity week 18. If you've been shitty all season long, it makes no sense. Absolutely none for the Bears to attempt to win this game. It made sense for them to attempt to win games all season long, but you get to this point when you're the number two drafting team, just, just lose the game. It's what I I go back to. The Miami Dolphins a long time ago, Brian Flores' first year, they tanked all season long. They sucked. And then they won three of their last five games and it led them to Tua instead of Burrow. They would have just drafted Joe Burrow. Now, you could argue they drafted, they could have just taken Herbert. Yeah, but it's easy to say now. Most teams had Tua ahead of Herbert, which sounds crazy now, but that's just the reality. So I got no issue with any bad team resting players. None. And I that, like, it's the integrity of the game. Bullshit. If, if you told me Seattle, right, is playing the Rams. Now, you, the, here's the thing. The Rams have, like, win or lose. They don't have their pick. So uh, you might, might as well try. And I, I saw that Robert Sala uh, said that through hell or high water, they will do anything to basically fix Zach Wilson and to get him right. And I, I think there comes a time in any business, in any financial transaction where you kind of got to eat your losses every single human being every single human being every single business will make mistakes and honestly a lot most of those businesses most of these teams will make mistakes with their most valuable picks over the course of time there is nothing you can do to avoid it right it just it's going to happen to everybody Belichick misses Andy misses the Jets miss the Yankees miss, the Lakers miss, Amazon's missed, Netflix is missed, everyone can miss. It's how fast do you pivot off of it? And I get because part of it is like, I do believe that Robert Sala and Joe Douglas don't want to give up on this guy. Because I think it's a lot easier. Like Belichick's the best at it. He'll he'll throw you, you know, overboard within two years if he if he realizes you're not good enough. I think over time, Howie Roseman has got really good at that. Right? He'll he'll pivot fast. If you, it's not working, boom! I'll pivot. But I think to be able to do that, in most, I would say, in most professional endeavors, it comes with experience. It's hard when you're young, when you're new to a job, when you have less experience. Robert Sala has been on the job what two years? Joe Douglas has been a what a general manager? Three, three and a half. Like these guys haven't been at the job that long. So it's, I understand where it's more difficult in the shoes they're sitting in to go like, let's give it one more year. If you know, and let's face it, they got to know, he ain't it, you got to pivot. You can't even keep him around. You just got to move on. And I don't necessarily think they're lying. Like, now, they could change their opinion with time. Maybe the owner could force their hand. But I I wouldn't put it past them to be like, I, I think we can give it an offseason, season. Get him mentally right. Because you don't want, think how much credit they would get if in like two years, like remember when everyone thought they should cut him and they kept him and now he's just a solid player. He never lived up to the number two overall draft pick, but he's a solid player. I'm a big believer on pivoting fast. And I think you've never had to pivot faster than you do in 2023. Just the way all factors are in life. And here's the thing. He's not. It's not like you're paying him Russell Wilson money. He was the number two overall pick. So yeah, he got twenty six or twenty seven million dollars guaranteed. But who cares? You know, if you know, and let's face it, we all know. We've all seen him play. Just move on. There, there is nothing wrong with that. And I think it's really going to test their ability this season to kind of cut out the. Yeah, you're going to have an egg on your face. <clears throat> Do you know where you won't have egg on your face? The team. You've drafted all these sweet players, and you're getting a lot of credit for that. So if you pivot I actually will give you credit for like listen you made a mistake you should have taken Justin Fields we all saw it but uh, you know the only hope you have for being competitive and here's the thing look at that division obviously the bills are going nowhere for a long time but Mac Jones are we sure Mac Jones is gonna be on the team because I sure as hell not if you tell me he gets traded to the Raiders I, I got that one circled what the hell are the Dolphins gonna do every one of their quarterbacks always gets hurt so if the, if the Jets are just proactive into just figuring out their quarterback situation that does not exist on their roster, they'd have a chance to kind of take that second pole position for the next several years because their team, you know, them in Miami are pretty good. Obviously, it's much more talented than the Patriots. But as you saw, they can't be the Patriots because they, they don't have the quarterback play. If you don't have quarterback
0: play, Belichick's going to eat you alive. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue.
1: Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code COLIN for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present In present Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. Hope NY, or text Hope NY, 467-369, New York, Tennessee redline 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff Mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. DMs wide open. It's just my Instagram. Fire in those direct messages. Get your question answered here on the podcast. We'll start with Ollie. Question for the pot. How much do coaches pull up star players for setting a bad example with their effort? Was watching the Rams versus the Chargers, and I know the Rams have had a really poor year, but Jalen Ramsey's was barely going through the motions. His effort was awful, setting a horrendous example for his teammates. It was embarrassing. Have you seen it? I have not. I didn't watch much of that game. Um kind of drifted away from the Rams as their season went sideways. I would say this. When I did watch them earlier in the season, I thought Jalen was not playing well. And the one thing the Rams, and to your question, like Belichick hangs his hat on showing up guys when they're not playing hard. I think any good coach is unafraid to hold their best players accountable. Now, Jalen, one thing the Rams have had is their best player by a mile, Aaron Donald plays his ass off. Cooper Cup plays hard, right? Whitworth, high-level guy. No, know he's not on the team anymore. So their standard was set by their star players. So Jalen, who I would say over the years can be a little hit or miss, you know, but he made enough plays. I thought he took a step back this year when I watched him. Now, the circumstances, you give him a little bit of a pass. Hot take, wouldn't shock me if Jalen Ramsey isn't on the Rams next year. And I had that thought well before I ever read this DM. But I thought that during the season when he wasn't playing that well, they're going to need some cap space. They don't have any picks. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I used to really like Jalen Ramsey. I just don't think he's good enough to kind of conduct himself the way he does. And, you know, when you're not going to play hard, like that's not really the type of player I like and most good coaches like. I'm curious to know your thoughts on the Lamar contract situation. Have changed at all with his injury. Before the season, I agree with your take that he should have accepted the Ravens' offer so that he could be financially secure and not potentially leave money on the table if he was to suffer a career-ending injury or diminish his market value with poor play. It seemed crazy at the time for him to walk away and bet on himself, as they say. But with how poor the Ravens' offense has looked these last few weeks, and now the Bengals potentially winning the AFC North, I'm recording this part before the uh, Monday night game, do you think this will work in his favor? Do the Ravens really want to enter the offseason uh, with future of quarterback uncertainty? Or do you think the injury works in the Ravens' favor? Can you trust a $250 million quarterback who's injury prone? I can see both sides of the argument. Obviously, we still have the playoffs to evaluate Lamar, assuming that he comes back. This is a tough one because I think I mentioned the the pod the other day is we saw it with Dak Prescott. He shattered his ankle, and he still got $160 million guaranteed. Now, that was several years ago. Lamar, I think, clearly thinks he's worth more than that. This is a very complicated situation. I, I think the biggest head scratcher with the whole situation is it's a passing league. And the reason you pay, like the reason Kyler Murray got paid was they thought he could pass at a high level. And he really struggled to do that this year. Obviously, he's an elite athlete and can make plays with his feet, but they felt good about he could be a 30 to 35 touchdown a year, every single year guy. Now, Lamar has done that before his MVP season a long time ago, but. You know, the receiver situations in flux. Are they going to fire Greg Roman? I don't have the answers. I, I just know this. If I'm a Raven fan, I'm like, what the fuck, man? We got more questions than we do answers. I was thinking about that game last night. or I'm recording this on Monday. Yeah, so Sunday night. The, the Ravens and people are like, you called them an underachievers. They've had a bunch of injuries. I just know that the Ravens coming into the season, I thought were a 12 or 13 win team. I know they're a 10-win team now and I have a chance to win 11, but they have not looked like that. For a long period of time, they have looked just mediocre. Like, they just... Now, I understand Lamar's missed games. It's... I wouldn't call it the season from hell, but it's been uh, it's been a rough season if you're a Raven fan. And it starts with the contract, really. I know you have seen some European... I know you have some European listeners and need suggestions on how to watch my NFL Plus package abroad. Do I use a VPN to hide my location from the NFL? They won't let us use it outside the U.S. I've been screwed before and have had to pay for a restaurant in Ecuador to let me watch their DirecTV package after closing, but the broadcast wasn't Spanish. Pretty cool, actually. They just told me to lock up when I left. <laughs> God, gotta love the Europeans. I'm also looking for a good sports bar in Barcelona to watch Super Bowl, but I'm watching the playoffs in Morocco. God, this guy is world traveler. P.S., I talked to another bartender who said running Amazon Prime to multiple TVs is so problematic and glitchy. I think the main problem here is that most sports bar owners are not tech savvy. You should be able to split the feed or run it to all the TVs, right? Happy New Year. This is a complicated question. I have no clue about your answers with VPNs and international. Uh, Yeah, so I I can't help you there. Now, when I've said over and over about Amazon Prime and Thursday night, and definitely YouTube TV getting the direct, tic- the direct uh, package, the Sunday ticket. I, I combined <laughs> direct TV and Sunday ticket there. But the Sunday ticket, I'm just talking about households. Obviously, the reason sports bars and restaurants, they thrive on the ticket, right? That's the reason that they own direct TV, is have access to the football games. I'm just talking about an in-home viewing experience. Amazon Prime is, And YouTube TV, I I will not hear any excuses. But I understand the restaurant industry. And when it comes to streaming on Thursday night, and then when it comes to the package, that could be problematic. And that is something that needs to be addressed. I do not have the answers to that. Never worked in the restaurant industry. You know, so I I don't, I, I can't pretend. Now, I'm looking at two TVs. The Rose Bowl is currently on. I have another television. It's actually off But they both run with YouTube TV, and I've used Amazon Prime on both of them. Uh, Now, the one thing is, and I've noticed this, like when I've had Amazon TV or Amazon Prime with the game on in the house and gone outside to barbecue and tried to watch it on my phone while I barbecued, it won't let me watch the same feed. Like I'll have to watch the Spanish version. So maybe that's what you were talking about. So I agree. We need to get this fixed. That's part of technology, and the best part about technology is you can adapt fast, right? It's just the ability to adapt and figure it out. YouTube TV, Bezos, Google, figure it out. I don't have the answers, but I hear you. Probably a problem. John, I have a theory on Lincoln Riley. Obviously a great offensive mind and is great with quarterbacks, but his teams are always soft and get pushed around in big games. And his quarterbacks, Baker, Kyler, and Williams, with the painted nails saying F Utah all turn into self-centered, immature pain in the asses, particularly at the NFL level. Is this a poor reflection of Lincoln Riley? Now listen, I've said my piece on Caleb's uh, F Utah on his fingernails, that that is clown behavior. Now overall, as a kid, I have not heard negative things. Now you could argue if you're going to put F Utah on your fingernails when you're playing in a conference championship game, That's a pretty big reflection of you. And I'd argue you're probably right. But I haven't heard anything in terms of his teammates like him. He works hard. He practices hard. I have not heard negative things surrounding the player. Like Kyler, let's face it. He's a negative Nancy. Bad body language. Most people just... He turns people off. I feel like Baker's bounced back a little bit. Now granted, he's been traded and cut. So like, if that doesn't humble you, I don't know what will. I think Lincoln's biggest problem is he does not value defense. And RIP Mike Leach, but he was taught in the Mike Leach uh, system, which is score points, throw the ball. Don't worry about anything else. They, they, They just, they don't. Now, Lincoln, unlike Leach at Texas Tech, Mississippi State, and Washington State, at USC, they have unlimited resources. And now, where we don't even have to hide we're paying the players, I got news for you, Pete did back in the day, just like Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Clemson, like... It's college football. Uh, No different college basketball. You know, Jay Billis loves getting on his high horse. Dukes had the biggest payroll in basketball beside Kentucky for a long time. Maybe Arizona here and there, but uh, now you don't even need to pretend. How about you go buy some D linemen and linebackers and maybe a DB or two? Like, I I have no reservations about Lincoln in college coaching the quarterbacks and the offense and their score points. But to lose to Tulane today, and I get this is a rebuilding year, lose to Tulane? Even in a rebuilding year, how many guys on USC's roster would you know Tulane want every single one? I, I just you gotta value defense. The reason Pete Carroll won at USC wasn't just Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner. They had NFL players, first rounders on the D-line, at linebacker, and in the DBs. And they had a ton of them in linebackers in the front. And you they they were cracking skulls. Lincoln is uh the missing tackles. Honestly, his guys look tiny. They look, they just look small. They they look like that at Oklahoma, and they feel like that against USC. A little unfair for me to judge him on USC personnel wise. But why would anything change? I, I just don't know if he understands. Like, you know why Pete Carroll was good on defense at USC? He's a defensive coach. He loves, like, he has a de- his scheme is defense. It wasn't offense. His running, you know schematic beliefs on offense is run the ball because that's usually what defensive players believe in or defensive coaches believe in. Lincoln's just like, score points. Score some more points. Well, Lincoln, how about the kicking game? How about the defense? And I like Lincoln Riley. But he, he has to adapt on in the other two phases, specifically defense. You can overcome special teams if you dominate on defense and offense. Longtime fan of your show. I was listening to you talking about the Steelers' culture, and for me, I've watched this team be subpar for years. They don't travel well. They do great occasionally and then struggle against lousy teams. Even with Big Ben, a stacked team in the past, they would be fighting end of the season to squeak into the playoffs and get bounced in the first round. I believe Tomlin is undisciplined, and it always filters down to his team. Look at the stats. What do you think? Well, I mean, they're always in the playoffs. Like it's part of my thing with their culture and their standard. I, I didn't act like they were winning the Super Bowl every year. And when's the last time Big Ben had some powerhouse team? Like five years ago? I mean, the Steelers' quarterback play has been pretty shitty for a while. Ben's arm fell off the one year. Then he came back for two years and was old and bad. This year they're playing with a rookie in Trubisky and they refuse to go under 500. Refuse. It's impossible. Like they have the same record with Trubisky and with Kenny Pickett currently as the Green Bay Packers have with Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, there is some flaws. Offensively, they should be more dynamic, but like I, I think Tomlin's standard of winning and being competitive is pretty high. Now, is it the Patriot dynasty? No. Is it this current Chiefs, Andy and Mahomes? Of course not. Is it pretty damn good and better than eighty percent of the league? It is. Now, and if he wins this week, he just never has a losing season. Like I, I just think that's pretty impressive. Are there things we can nitpick? For sure. There are, right? Like you said, undisciplined. Well, part of being a great defensive team is kind of teetering the edge, you know, pushing the envelope. Like, you know what most good business, businessmen do? You know, kind of toe the line of kind of getting in trouble sometimes in their business. It's life. Part, most great defenses or really high-end defenses, you know, cause some havoc. Get some flags thrown on them. Get some guys ejected. It's it's part of the deal. You got to toe the line. That's That's where all the risk is. Now, offensively, which Tomlin, in fairness, knows nothing about besides wanting to run and be physical, his offensive coordinators can be a little hit or miss. I thought they were really good with Bruce Arians, and then they fired him. I actually kind of like them with Todd Haley. Then they fired him. When they And part of it is not even Tomlin. If you're a Steeler fan, you would know this. The ownership gets very mad when you get too pass-happy in Pittsburgh. They want to run the ball. It's the Rooney family way. It's like the, their business motto. Run the ball, play defense. Which, in fairness to them, has worked. Hey bro, I, block, I got blocked by your hacker on Twitter for calling out your hacker. Miss your insight. Can you unblock me? I'll unblock you, buddy. I got my Twitter back. I think the rules committee needs to put the kibosh on the lateral craziness at the end of games. It's childish, unprofessional, and does not live up to the professional standard of play. We got a real uh, football, Karen. Here, yeah. I mean, I, in fairness to the football, Karen, I, I there are times when I agree with you. I, I saw today in the Mississippi State game, they were up three. Illinois tried to do these crazy laterals. Mississippi State intercepted one of the laterals, took it to the house, and ended up covering. They were up three. the The point spread was three and a half, and they obviously they won by nine. It is kind of a stupid play, and let's be honest, has it ever worked? I mean. Less than a percent of a percent of a time, I mean, it, it not only does it never work, I think you're more likely to give up a touchdown going the other way than you are to gain like 30 40 yards. now, outlaw, it, like how do you outlaw? It? Take away the lateral. like that's part of football. You're allowed to lateral it. so what what are they? what rules are they breaking? I, I don't, you know, like the rules committee, you're just not allowed to do that you're allowed to do what? Like a max two laterals? What's, what's the max lateral? Three laterals? I I agree that it's pretty stupid. Uh, but here's the other thing. It happens how often? A couple times a month? It, it doesn't happen as much as you think. It, honestly, it happens in college more than it does in the pros. Uh, doesn't bother me clearly as much as it bothers you. But uh, I hear you. It's It's not my favorite play in football. For the mailback. Could some of Dak's interception troubles be from the thumb he fractured in the week one against the Bucks? Possible. You know, possible. Tough guy. Doesn't want to talk about his injury. But he he makes enough really good throws where it's like, he let's let's face it. Healthy, not healthy. Prescott throws some picks now. Part part of the and the reason he throws some picks, it's pretty simple. He's a timing rhythm path, passer with, you know, an average arm. And people are like, average arm. So, yeah, he's got an average arm. He makes up for it. He's really smart. Uh, he's big so he can see. He's got a really good feel for the offense. Him and Kellen Moore have been there the entire time together as a player and as a coach. So they're, like his knowledge of what they're doing is really high. Sometimes if he's a second slow, like it, Phillip Rivers threw a lot of picks. Not because he didn't know what was going on. The ball doesn't go very fast. It is harder to catch, you know, Josh Allen's fastball than it is Dak's. You know, it's it's easier for Aaron Judge to hit the guy throwing 91 than it is for the guy throwing 99. Now, if you time 99, you can hit it. You can pick Josh Allen's ball, but you can time an out route against Dak easier than Mahomes or Allen. If Brady goes to the Niners or a legit team next season and wins another Super Bowl, could we start calling him father time? He would have earned it. I think a lot of people have... You know, put Brady on the Niners, rightfully so. Right, grew up in the Bay Area. Famous picture of him at the 1981 catch game with the Montana to uh, to Dwight Clark. He's not going to the Niners. It's just it's just not happening. And that's as separate from Purdy. Like I, he's not moving back to the West Coast. Now I get it. Parents sentimental. My mom's old. I you know I understand that the the you know the nostalgia of just what things mean to you and family and the connection. It's it's the older you get, it's powerful. And Tom's older than me and still has both of his parents. So I I, I get it. Uh, I mean I, I don't I can't put myself in his shoe. I'm not Tom fucking Brady, but you know what I mean. Anyone listening to me that's that has lost a parent or has older parents who's the older you get in life there are things that trigger emotions and make you feel in a positive way. So I I, I would understand there being some draw, but he's lived on the East Coast so long. Now he's been in Florida. I bet he loves Florida. The no state income taxes. He's moved his businesses there. Uh, I, my guess would be one of the East Coast teams, like Miami, the Giants, the Jets. Because if he can go to Miami, why couldn't he play for the Jets? And the Jets are probably better suited than Miami, to be honest with you. Hi, Brandon. Messaging you from my wife's account. Diehard Niner fan. Love the pod. What are your thoughts on the 49ers quarterback situation? For the sake of for, for the sake of the argument, if Brock Purdy has a good playoff performance and wins a couple of playoff games, do you think they should go ahead and ride with Brock for the future? It's hard to find a quarterback in the NFL and why risk starting Trey next year, killing Brock's confidence and experience since we know more of his game. What are your thoughts? Well, I would say it's a lock. At minimum, they're splitting reps right now. And that even feels like Brock is. They're splitting reps, but Brock's the starter type deal. And more than likely, Brock's just the offseason starter. What they did last year was a mistake. Now, part of it is like, once you draft a guy high, you usually just name them the quarterback. But they did that with Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. And it backfired big time. Now, Trey got hurt, but training camp was pretty ugly. I was there. I was trying to be positive because he has these big physical attributes, but the ball fucking flies all over the map. And you watch Purdy... Purdy's the best Niner passer since Jeff Garcia. Now, Kaepernick had the biggest arm and could throw the ball the farthest, but he was inaccurate. And Alex Smith just was a pretty mediocre passer in the football. And Jimmy was fine. Like, watch Purdy for four games, and I've watched every snap. Their passing game is explosive right now because kick and play. Now, do I think he's like some 10-year starter? I don't know. I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but... He's pretty fucking good. <laughs> I'm not gonna not gonna lie. He he's he's been pretty, pretty good. Now, this is why I was high on Trey. It's like, well, how are you not gonna be good? You get Debo Samuel, you get Brandon Ayuki, you get George Kittle. I didn't even know Christian McCaffrey would come. Juwan Jennings is a sweet third receiver. I mean, they got dudes on dudes on dudes. And you watch Trey, you're like, I don't know. What the hell's missing? And then he gets injured. Then you watch Jimmy, and Jimmy's oh solid. But you're like, God, why isn't this offense better? And then Brock gets in there and they boom. They scored 30 plus points in four out of his five games. Uh, what huge fan? Was there ever a specific player you scouted that you thought was amazing that ended up not playing well, and vice versa? Uh <clears throat> you know, one thing looking back on my scouting days is I think it's easier, it's easy as a scout to be negative on guys and just go, this guy stinks, or this guy can't play. And a lot of those guys on the fringe, and it's different when you're a a pro scout, and as a pro scout, you're not factoring in like the intangibles, because the intangibles have already been covered for them coming out of college, like what they're like, the drive, their focus, character-wise. So you're just evaluating them on as a player. And I think you can never underestimate human beings' desire And care for being successful in whatever endeavor they're trying to be successful in. It's why so many guys in the NFL don't have like high end talent, right? Most guys in the NFL are not Micah Parsons or Trent Williams or Justin Jefferson, right? Saquon Barkley. Those guys have these sweet physical attributes. Most guys are like, you know, average. Hell, Max Crosby goes in the middle of the draft. You ever watch Max Crosby? Plays his ass off. There have been, since I've been just talking about football the last decade, even scout, even since I've worked in football and now been talking about it for 12, 14 years or whatever, the amount of more talented players that just don't make it in the NFL because they don't really try that hard or they're not that tough. So, you know, probably a lot of guys over the years when I did it did I just underestimate? oh, he's just not quite tall enough. Oh, he doesn't try hard enough. Right? Like, intangibles matter. I didn't like Matt Barkley at all. I thought he'd be in and out of the league in a couple years. Well, I read this article the other day about when they were recruiting Von Miller to come to the Bills, and I stood up in a draft meeting like, this guy's going to stink. He's not going to be able to play. You know what? Why he's going to have a decade-long NFL career? Now he's not a starter, but he's in the league. And I didn't even think he'd get that far. Is because guys really like him. And Josh Allen, when the GM called Josh Allen To recruit Von Miller. He said, I will do this. Like I got no problem doing this, but can we resign Matt Barkley? (laughs) And being liked by your, you know, teammates and the most important teammates is important. And then Barkley told the story. He gets Von Miller's number, he calls Von Miller. He said, Von, I, I saw it on the internet like last week. It was incredible. He's like, Bro, this is the AFC East, man. You get to play against Tua, Mac Jones, and Zach Wilson. This Barkley said he said this verbatim. He's like, think about that. Six times a year. Now, obviously, Vaughn got injured, but think about how little Josh Allen thinks about the fellow quarterbacks in the AFC East. Don't even blame him. Josh Allen is the new Tom Brady. He knows all these guys are not on their level. Uh, I I would say, I mean, I had a top 10 grade on uh, Deion Jordan, uh, the pass rusher out of Oregon. He was like a couple years ahead of like Buckner and and Eric Armstead. And he got drafted high, but he was a disaster. Now, granted, like when you went through Oregon, and this was hard, I only did college scouting like on the road truly. I did some college, I got to go to some colleges my second year, but like just do the road my third year. You know, it, it takes time to really get to know who's shooting you straight, who's not shooting you straight. And, you know, there are probably some programs. I was more comfortable with my sources than others uh you're you're probably only as good of a scout obviously like you got to be able to identify players but I got news for you this isn't you know electrical engineering we're not building the Golden Gate Bridge here we're erecting you know the Sears tower you can learn most guys if you have some just natural instincts for athletics learn how to scout Now, obviously, there are going to be some guys that are better than others, but it comes down to understanding the way guys are wired and what you're looking for in people and players and getting the right information. Because if you get some of this information, you would look at your GM and your coach and go, Coach, there is no way you want this guy in the building. But if you don't have that information, you might be pounding the table for the player. Then all of a sudden, two years later, not good. Tua ain't coming back this season, and I think he needs to consider retirement in the offseason. He's potentially had three concussions over a four-month span. I love the guy and who he is is a player human, but it ain't worth being a vegetable in 10 to 15 years to your kids. Yeah, I, I think it's easy for all of us to say he should retire and quit. I'll be shocked. I do not think he's going to. Uh, I, I think the media and fans, everyone's going to retire, retire, retire. I, even, I think I saw his brother said he'll be back. He'll be back. He he's not going to stop playing. Now, the Dolphins are not going to pick up his fifth-year option at the end of the season. So he's going to be on one more year. Is he even going to be the starter there next year? And then if he, in a year, he becomes a free agent, let's say he doesn't play because they sign a player. Like, who's signing him to play? You just, you can't invest into something. Like, ultimately, it is a business. So he gets to choose. Like, this is not 2020. Like, he gets to choose, <laughs> you know? It's his decision. Now, it's also the team's decision whether I sign you Or whether I make you the starter. And I think it's fair to say those days are done. But to think that he's going to retire. I hear you. You know if, if he retired. I don't think anyone can blame him. But I do not expect him to retire at all. Urban or Hackett. Who had the better head coaching career. Hackett lasted longer. Not much. But Urban got more lap dances. Need your opinion on the matter sir. I would say that it's not even close. Urban Meyer had the worst head coaching tenure I've ever seen. Now, there are probably some in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that, obviously, in the 70s and 80s, I wasn't around for most of it and wouldn't remember. In the 90s, you know, I'm just a junior high, elementary school kid, probably not super locked in. Since I've been following football closely, I would put on the short list of Jim Tom Sula, Freddie Kitchens. Obviously, Hackett would have to go on that. I think Urban takes the cake, though. Because when you look at those guys, Tom Sula, Freddie Kitchens, and Hackett, those guys are just lifetime position coaches, whatever. Never should have been a head coach. We all agree. Hackett's going to be coaching the NFL for a long time, right? Freddie Kitchens is coaching somewhere, I'm sure. Tom Sula bounced around. Urban Meyer was like a top five all-time great college coach. Now, college is different than the pros, but, like, this guy, when you have that much success and win that many national championships, to be that inept in the pros is pretty crazy. Right? Even though it's not, because I thought he was a huge fraud and it would never work. But still, the way it happened, the way he conducted himself, that picture, and whatever. I I even said when that happened, you can never assume people what, goes on in people's relationships. I, when you get into that business, you're usually going to be wrong. But to me, that he couldn't even interact with players. The players hated him. Remember he was like kicking the kicker and the other players hated him. The assistant coaches hated him. That to me was pretty glaring. So I would say that Urban, when you factor in the success he had had, is the craziest. Like, I knew Jim Topsoulou was going to suck. Freddie Kitching sucking. Who shocked? Hackett, I guess, is probably a little more shocking than those guys because he could talk. But who thought Nate Hackett was going to be head coach before last year and Aaron Rodgers wanted to get traded to the Denver Broncos? Good question, though. Okay, last question. Big fan of the pod. It's clear to me that the Jets are down with Zach Wilson. I don't think they will draft someone as it seems they need an established quarterback. Who do you think they go after? Trade for someone like Lamar, assuming he gets franchise tag or car, or signing someone in free agency like Jimmy G, or even a reunion with Sam Darnold. I would say Jimmy G makes the most sense. Sign Jimmy G, relatively cheap. Keep Mike White. You get Jimmy G, Mike White, and you cut Zach Wilson. And my guess, Zach Wilson, where he ends up? I can see Andy Reid taking a flyer on the guy. BYU try to resurrect his career, little bit of a gunslinger, and just try to kind of look at them like, this is your chance, man. Sign a couple-year deal, veteran minimum, even though you're 23 years old, right, for nothing. A couple million bucks, like a million dollars a year, $900,000 a year, and you, you have to earn the backup job. And then if you do, like, I can get you going again. I can build you back up. I've done that historically with other guys. You want me to try to do that with you? No pressure here. Learn from Patrick. There's a high character, high-level operation. That's what I would recommend for Zach Wilson, assuming the big guy wants him. And maybe Andy, not a fan of him, and would know because he's tied in with the BYU people. But if Andy's interested, if Zach Wilson gets cut, and trust me, I believe he will get cut, that's what I would recommend him doing. Uh, And I would say Jimmy G would probably go to the Jets. Geno Smith has also been there. The reunion's... You know, reunion sounds a little different if the old coach was there, but it's like all new people. So Sam Darnold, Jimmy G, like, did Salah coach? I guess I guess the GM would have been there with Sam Darnold, huh? I, all my timelines, all these quarterbacks. Quarterbacks change teams now much faster than they ever did. Okay, adios. Have a good week, and I'll speak to you guys a little bit later on Friday. Peace. <laughs>
0: bundled savings variant are not available in every state coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions the
1: elevation with stephen furtick podcast was created with you in mind this is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from god together in this podcast we'll dive deep into scripture uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential